OTB Sports Rugby. Some of the hype around Jack Crowley has been premature. He's played pretty well, but having him as the second coming of Christ seems to be a little bit aggressive. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. You know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on their second half performance. Is it a step too far to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe not. OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head at performances with just lack that intensity. Boom. All right. Straight into it. Start with the red. Um, FA Cup weekend. I think the magic of the cup was was there for all to see. We'll start maybe with uh, with Chelsea first. It wasn't very magical yesterday evening for them. 4-0 defeat to Manchester City. Um, some of the puns going around in the office this morning, Ger, uh, related to Graham Potter and, of course, his uh, his namesake, Harry Potter. Um, so there were a few magical puns doing the trick. Phil Egan's effort was Potter in serious trouble. Serious, of course, being Sirius Black, Harry Potter's uncle in the movie and book franchise. Um, Cameron's effort, I think, was Harry Potter and the Half-Baked Blues, or Graham Potter and the Half-Baked Blues. Of course, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince being one of the books. Um, and then, of course, Tommy Tuchel being He Who Shall Not Be Named. Tommy Tuchel and, and Voldemort having, having that in common. Um, and the Chelsea fans were singing about Tommy Tuchel yesterday in the stands as Graham Potter had to sit there and listen. It was a bit awkward. Um, but the performance from Chelsea, regardless of the result, clearly a 4-0 defeat is not good uh, any time, but... It just wasn't a great performance whatsoever. They're out of the cup now. Uh, it would have been nice for them to have a little bit of a cup run to distract them from the fact that they're, what, 10th in the Premier League, 10 points off the Champions League spots. Pep Guardiola came out after the, the match yesterday evening and was very defensive of Graham Potter. Said, uh, stick with him. Um, it takes time for, for managers to build these teams. Um, he spoke about the time he was given time at Barcelona, but he had, of course, um, a little man called Messi in that team so it was maybe a little bit easier for Pep Guardiola uh, but roundly booed uh, the Chelsea players and Potter of course at half time and for the the, man, the, player, the fans that were still there at full time because let's be honest a lot of them had left to try and get the, the train back um, but yeah it was just it, there was even sarca- sarcasm from the fans yesterday if anyone was watching the game you could hear the echoes of shoot um, because they just wanted even shots the Chelsea fans they weren't getting anything in the match last night uh, City were too good for them um, this was a city without with their main men Haaland included so you'd be concerned if you were Graham Potter in front of the uh, the Indo sports section Curse of Chelsea now Hans Potter and that's basically the headline on Eamon Sweeney's piece to a Harry Potter um, link no uh, Bowley makes bad situation far worse at the bridge he's blaming Todd Bowley for coming in and appointing Graham Potter uh, Potter's appointment was celebrated in some quarters across channel because it gave an English manager a rare opportunity at a top club but Chelsea have been down this patriotically minded route before. It failed with Frank Lampard and it will fail with Potter. The sad truth is that putting an English manager in charge of an elite team is like sending Father Dougal Maguire to do a funeral. Chelsea's current manager is doomed, as doomed as a teenager in a slasher movie who volunteers to go outside and check the noise coming from the woodshed. He's loving it. He's feeling himself here. Like Moyes at United and Nuno at Spurs, there's no prospect of this appointment ending in success. The only question is, when will the axe fall? Bowley should take Macbeth's advice. If it were done, when it is done, then for well it were done quickly. Uh, so, I like that. I like the father, Dougal, at the funeral. I don't necessarily yeah. agree with it. I don't think all English managers are always doomed forever to be as incompetent as Dougal or the teenager in the slasher movie. I'm mm. not sure that their nationality is the thing that prevents them from being good managers. I just want to put that on the record there for all our English viewers this morning. I, just, I, and I, I don't think Potter's track record should prevent him from being the manager of Chelsea if Chelsea do have a long-term plan. Now, that seems to be what the story is with the transfers they're making. 
Mm. But it's hard to discern a pattern in the transfers that they're making. It's uh, very scattergun. Yeah, yeah, and even the way Benfica have come out and claimed they were disrespectful in the whole Enzo Fernandez chase as well. Uh, is this a surprise, the whole Graham Potter thing? Like, when he joined from Brighton, were we all not like, well, this, this could go very badly. This, like, things are going well at Brighton. You could stay there and continue a, a great job. Yes, it's very, very hard to turn down a job from the big six, I guess, in, uh, in Chelsea being one of them. So I understand why Graham Potter took the Chelsea job, uh, but in hindsight, because a lot of Chelsea fans didn't really want Tommy Tuchel to be sacked. So it, it was a poison chalice to some degree. Um, I honestly thought Potter would be up to it. It's a poison golden chalice that gives gold coins out, little ducats, little gold ducats every that adds day. That's the pressure, though. For the rest of your life. But, like, he can... It, it, I presume he negotiated a, a relatively good contract because it's a very long-term contract, right? Yeah. And so, therefore, like, you can't turn down... You win the lottery when you when you get this job. Mm. And he can go off and work for the FA if he needs to as an underage manager at some point. Like, there's, there's loads of routes for him to parlay this experience into something uh, good and better afterwards. I mean, I... I, like, I I'm, I'm not sure about the point there about English managers not being fit to... No, I, I, I think that... Like, I mean, we, at the same time, it is interesting that this football culture has yet to produce a slew of brilliant, progressive young managers. Maybe Eddie Howe is going to book the trend. Yeah, but then, is Gareth Southgate not one as well? Is he? What, what bringing England to a European Championship final? Two World Cup... Bringing one the, World Cup semi-final, sorry. Bringing the country with the most registered footballers to a position where they're competitive in international tournaments? I, I mean, I, I think until Southgate proves that he's a brilliant manager and win something I, I hate to be was a penalty scoreboard from winning the European Championship journalism only you know but like but the team didn't play brilliantly did they across the course of that like has he managed to unlock this uh, gifted generation practically performing in all the big games I don't know He's. I'd say Southgate is good not great mm. and uh, grand right at this stage uh, Eddie Howe has the potential to be really good I think uh, yeah. I don't think um, his Englishness is preventing him I think Potter's circuitous route to get to the Brighton job uh, proves that he's he's got an interesting take on things, and if he if he was a an international manager coming from a different culture, everybody would be like, oh wow, look at look at what he did. He went off and studied things that were separate to what he was doing. So you know you can you can carve this any way you want. Like uh, the injury profile of the the team at the moment is really bad. Uh, if they get some of those players back, if if Todd Bowley is too shamed to sack him, then maybe he'll have an opportunity over the next four months to try and turn things around and we'll see next season uh, if if Potter is still there after they've spent another quarter of a billion in the transfer window in the summer what the truth is about Chelsea I think uh, you've also included Aston Villa here I mean that's just uh, we got to throw it in Jer contributing <clears throat> to the magic of the cup Take, anyone... taking one for Team FA Cup there lads <laughs> uh, when the draw I actually I, I saw on Twitter ah, come on don't I, I saw on Twitter that the draw was made for the fourth round and I was like oh, yeah. Villa are through to the fifth round of the FA Cup this is great beat Stevenish today go to Stoke no problems and then fifth round of the FA Cup that'll feel like a big game that'll be great so <laughs> if I was as uh, complacent as that then presumably when Villa when Villa saw the team that was named they were like oh we're, we're just going to Show up and batter these today, aren't we? Yeah. And uh, like, for anyone who's uh, the, the eagle-eyed OTB AM viewers this morning, we'll notice Jerry is donning his claret and blue, perhaps by accident this morning, perhaps in Getting support. Getting dressed in the dark. Exactly. Um, but, I mean, it's just not good, is it? Villa brought some of the big guns off the bench. They had a strongish starting oh, team Oh, they well. finished with, like, fairly close to... Uh, Perfect team. Well, uh, you know, maybe if they'd pick the goalkeeper who needs game time. Do you know what I think Villa need? Harry Maguire. Yeah. <laughs> Potentially. Yeah. 
that these rumours have been doing the rounds of the weekend um, doesn't seem to be any truth to them. No, there's there's no truth in them. No. We, we do not have Harry Maguire at Aston Villa, So should should we help a massive club make up for their mistake by saddling ourselves with the wages that they have overpaid this guy who is nowhere near worth what they paid for him? Yeah, that's a great idea. But it's oh, no, it's just been exactly the same with Philip Coutinho. How's that working out? <laughs> His transfer fee will be drastically reduced. I mean, sure. I mean, you wouldn't. Be, Presumably, you wouldn't be it's on loan, it, there's, yeah. and there's no fee. Because if there is, you're like, okay, stupidity here. Like uh, Villa need to be looking at what Brighton are doing and what that tier of clubs who have good, successful recruitment, where they're buying directly from South America or they're buying directly from second tier Spanish and Portuguese football, and they're giving players game time, and then those players are becoming seasoned internationals, and then they're suddenly worth 70, 80 million, mm. as opposed to taking second-hand cast-offs of failed players from big clubs who are already on massive wages, which is what they've done. They're paying Luca Dean apparently 170, 180 grand a week. What the hell's going on? <laughs> it's so, a bit mad, isn't it? Yeah, it is a bit mad, but it's not as it's not as mad as it's not as mad as Chelsea. These these things are not the same. Ah, uh, don't be hiding this now. These I, things I, are not the same. I thought uh, I was watching Sheffield Wednesday, Newcastle the other night, and um, really enjoying it. And I was thinking, this is the story that this is the story of the third round. Newcastle being knocked out, the Saudi-backed Newcastle being knocked out by Wednesday, and then League 2 Stevenage, and JP Wright has said it in the YouTube comments already, watching Aston Villa implode was the magical cup moment of the weekend. This, th- th- this means that the FA Cup is back here. So here's a, f- here's a stat for you. A record equaling number of Premier League clubs since the league's inception in 1982 are now guaranteed to suffer early elimination in this season's competition. The cup is back, baby. We love the FA Cup. Wolves-Liverpool was another one as well. And Unai Emery is a cup specialist. Hasn't he? Hasn't he won the, the Europa League in a number of cases? I know. Well? That's exactly why I was thinking this. This is our this is our route into winning the Europa League next season. <laughs> like, what were you doing? Yeah. It, 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 and apparently, Emery had really been targeting this game. And I was I saw a dig. It was a fantastic dig from uh, Stevenage on uh, Twitter. So 66 minutes. Stevenage uh, Twitter account is live tweeting the match. They say 66 minutes. Philippe Coutinho comes off. The substitution took longer than usual as they had to dig him out of Luther James Wilden's back pocket. <laughs> so, I mean, Steve Lynch, not only into the fourth round against Stoke, but uh, they're really going for it in social Look, media. Villa, well. Villa are not going to be relegated, uh, which, you know, under Steven Gerrard was uh, potential, and so therefore it's not a completely lost season, but it felt like a cup run was there for them. The draw was really opening up for them. Loads of good teams are going out who, you know, you would have expected maybe would have been better than Villa. Uh, in a cup and it's really bad it's it's a really big setback this early on in what has so far been a relatively straightforward and good oh it looks like there's a grown up in the room but just completely underestimated the challenge of Stevenage so that's bad but it's not as bad as Chelsea no maybe not yeah fair it, it, it is fair it's what a battery there you go so that's in the red Chelsea and Villa after uh, FA Cup exits uh, over the weekend also in the red and I'm getting a sense of deja vu here Chair, I don't know about you is Ulster Rugby um, not sure what to say because if you'd said before the weekend that Ulster would, would get 29 points on the board over in Italy you'd think okay that's grand they must have got a decent win but they lost 31 points to 29 uh, for Benetton uh, in the URC at the weekend Ulster's fifth loss in six games the first time the Italians have beaten an Irish province since 2017 so it'll show you the, the difficulties they've had against some of the Irish teams um, Michael Lowry had a score and penalty tries well, later on you're thinking Ulster are going to do this it's going to be fine they're going to get the result and really after the performances of late and the comments from Dan McFarlane, you're thinking, just get the result. Win this by a point or two, move on, and, and we, they can at least get a bit of hashtag momentum and uh, take it with them. But yeah, dying, dying moments of the game, Benetton awarded that penalty, Cooney caught offside, Smith accurate with the boot, game over, and a two-point defeat for Ulster. 
And if you look at their fixtures now, <clears throat> they have a very, very tough couple of weeks. Ulster back-to-back Champions Cup games against La Rochelle and Sale. I mean, do you really want that after the? Will they score That's against the La Rochelle? Yeah, this is the thing. Uh, in France too, isn't it that that game as well? So um, the comments from from McFarland, he probably learned from last weekend as well. He was maybe holding back a little bit. He said, "We stuck in there. We're not playing as well as we can. It's not quite ticking for us as a team. Quite a few errors in the first half, similar to last week." And then he's saying the usual stuff. We need to be more productive with the ball. We're giving chances in the opposition third. And, the, uh, you know, uh, good opposition is go- are going to t- take those chances. Benetton took enough of them to get over the line. You'd imagine Lara Shell and Sale, if Ulster pass up that amount of chances against those two in the next couple of weeks, it's going to be hockey scores, or cricket scores. Hockey's not that high scoring a, a sport. Uh, <laughs> they will be hockeyed. It will be, they will be hockey sport. Exactly. There Thank you, Jack. For, we for fix that. For, yeah, fixing me. Um, so, yeah, you'd be concerned, I think. Um, this is full-blown crisis territory. Yeah. This is this is a shambles. This is very difficult. This is at the end of the season where, you know, you're having your end-of-season review and your KPIs are all there on the dashboard and someone's going, how do we do? It's like, well, you know, apart from the, the, the bit where we went to Italy, everything was okay. Because it, it's just very difficult to recover from this, right? Like, it... And if it, were, if it was a one-off, you'd be like, okay, that's an aberration. But can they blame the travel chaos for this? Can they? Is there, like, uh, is there a ready-made excuse? Because we went from like, oh, it was really difficult for them because of the travel to actually there's a pattern emerging to now... A I think people wanted to make excuses for them because especially the Ulster fans are like, well, this, there has to be a reason for this. The, the performances have dropped off so badly. Whatever about the results, forget about the results for a minute. The performances have dropped off so badly that the supporters must be thinking there has to be something going on behind the scenes we're not we're not aware of. Now, maybe there's a couple of injuries. Maybe the team just aren't focused at the moment. Maybe the travel chaos didn't exactly play into their hands. But you have to look at it. Maybe there's something rotten in the culture. Hundred percent. But that that's like if they lose heavily to La Rochelle and Sale, which by the way, is a distinct possibility in both games. Um, I mean, what do you do? You rarely see in rugby teams being, you know, managers being switched mid-season. It doesn't seem to happen to the same extent as football. But Dan McFarland seemed to be getting to grips with the problems. And so, I, I'm not, I mean, maybe, I think, I think it might be interesting to hear what he has to say. Because if he's calling the players out last week, mm. uh, I, I still don't really understand. So, Apparently, uh, neither Connacht nor Ulster made a play for Ben Healy. Mm. So obviously, I don't know, again, not to reopen that whole thing, but like, um, would he not have been somebody... Who are, the, who are the players who are setting the tone and setting the culture and the high-performance aspect of what Ulster rugby are trying to achieve at the moment? And if, if those players are being given um, the freedom to call everybody out who isn't matching that, then great. But if, if there's a core of players who are being protected somehow by the the coach who are responsible for what's happening, then the coach has to go. But, you know, they, they need to, I would say, have a full and frank uh, review. And it, it, the coach may be part of the solution as opposed to just expecting somebody, a messiah figure, to come in and fix what appears to be a, a rotten culture. Yeah. And, and it, look, it is statistically the worst runs uh, since Dan McFarlane took over in 2018. If you're to pick any positives out of the Benetton game, it's that they came back well. They were 28-15, I think, down at one point in the second half. Came back to lead 29-28. Uh, and that showed a little bit of character, and Dan McFarlane referenced that after the match. The problem was... And then, then choked. Yeah. The individual error then leads to a penalty for Benetton, and it's game over. They pick up two losing bonus points. If you want to look at that as something to, 
to grab onto. Which, like the, which they should. You know, they're they're still fourth on the table. Yep, which isn't bad. Um, um, and there's there's uh, the prospect of postseason, and obviously there's qualification for next season to be to be at the moment to run a form that they're on. I don't think you're backing them against anybody, are you? No, but it, so right. They're in such a terrible run that La Rochelle, one of the top teams in Europe. Now, this might the answer to this might seem obvious, but is that the team maybe you want to play heading into a weekend like this? You're like right. Well, the pressure's off. The only hope is that La Rochelle are looking at this, going, "I mean, we can put the B team out here, lads, and it's still going to be grand." Because, Bit of complacency, lads. It's Ulster. <laughs> yeah, Ulster have become the Tottenham of the URC, uh, or worse potentially. The performances just aren't good. Um, I'd like to see them get over the line in one of those games. Like the the game that they won against Connacht on the twenty third of December, which a lot of people won't have seen because it was two days before Christmas. Mm. Um, they nearly managed to cough up um, a, a winning position in that one where uh, uh, Connacht scored two tries from the 78th minute on and miss a kick for that to be a draw. Mm. And if, if they hadn't had that victory, then we're in full-blown crisis mode. But, like, we shouldn't let the missed kick camouflage the fact that they gave up that winning position when the game was won and it was completely over with three minutes left to go. So, I, like... Uh, I, I, who's responsible? Is it the CEO at Ulster? Is it the IRFU further up? Like, ultimately, there's a lot of money going into that. Uh, there's really good players there, we think. Mm. We, unless we're completely wrong about the quality of those players, particularly in the back line, for example, then something has to change. Who's deciding what that culture is in Ulster rugby at the moment and who is responsible for it? But it looks like it is rotten from the inside and something significant has to change. Yeah. So we'll talk about this with Queenie in, in a little while, but if uh, you're an Ulster Rugby fan, we'd love to hear from you because we, we're getting a lot of criticism for not doing enough on Ulster Rugby. Happy to talk about it now if you want us to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, Let's uh, be having you, as <laughs> Delia says. Uh, they'll be hoping it won't be a 39-0 against Sale the next time as well. So, uh, yeah, a lot to... And I think, look, performances will matter in those two games as well. So we'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks with Ulster in the amber. Um, very briefly, we'll mention the, uh, the snooker, of course. Ali Pali has been completely transformed, Jer, from the darts into a snooker cauldron. So the, uh, the Masters, one of the, uh, the, the three major tournaments, um, the Triple Crown events, along with the UK Championship and the World Championship, is back. And Dublin's own Sean Murphy, or the shock win, the Rathfarnham man, <coughs> uh, of course living in Dublin now with his, uh, his Irish wife. Uh, big win for him yesterday evening, uh, 6-4, or yesterday afternoon rather, uh, in the Masters over in London. Um, played really well. <clears throat> Sean Murphy now the, the, the uh, thing I would put alongside this an asterisk is that Neil Robertson the defending champion who he beat was very sick um, if you listen to the interview with Neil Robertson afterwards he wasn't well at all he was coughing he was spluttering he didn't sound good uh, he said he'd spent a week and a half in bed over Christmas his wife having to take care of the kids and stuff while he got a bit of rest before this tournament uh, had a one four seven attempt in one of the frames Neil Robertson that kind of broke down the crowd kind of spurred him on a little bit uh, but it wasn't enough Jean Murphy's already won this event he won it the Masters in, in 2015 breaks of 98 53 61 100 uh, and then sealed the victory to, to, to win it 6-4 so he moves on to the next round it's only of course the top 16 players in the world in the Masters and then yesterday evening another surprise result so the two games yesterday were both surprises Hossein Vafei the Iranian player who was only brought into the Masters because of the, uh, the Chinese match-fixing allegations uh, beating Mark Selby Six frames to two, the three t- three-time Masters champion. Uh, so six-two wasn't a. It was a very one-sided game, two all at one point. Uh, but uh, the Iranian pushing on, he now face either well Murphy will now face either Karen Wilson or Stuart Bingham, and Vafey will play either John Higgins or Jack Lasowski in the last eight on Thursday. So uh, first time at this event for Hossein Vafey 
No strain to the big occasion. He's, he's got the better of Selby uh, before. At the last three meetings, in fact, at Triple Crown events. So he's a bit of a bogey player for Mark Selby. Um, I've only put Sean Murphy in the amber because big win for him. Big shock beating the defending champion. But he still has plenty more to do. He's only into the last eight. So decided to put Sean Murphy into the amber this morning. All right. On to the green? Yeah, on to the green. Uh, we've got the, the club GA. Um, not sure if I've ever said this on air, but um, Malachi O'Rourke is, is one of the greatest managers there's ever been uh, in any sport. Um, and if I haven't said that, I'm going I'm to put that on record right now. Uh, not to remind people, not to, to brag or anything, but, but I did say Glenn uh, would win the All-Ireland Senior Club Championship. This was in the very early stages up in Ulster. Uh, this was while Kilcoo were still hanging around with Mike Cullen uh, to come in the All-Ireland semi-finals. This Glenn team are too good. Um, and I haven't changed my mind. I actually think they will beat Kilmacud. If they play to their capabilities... I think Glenn will be killing the court in the Ireland Club final, which, look, seems remarkable because when Malachi O'Rourke took over a couple of years ago, they had never won a Derry Senior Championship. Never mind an Ulster. Never mind an All-Ireland. The man, as I said, touches gold with everything he goes near. Um, their work rate, their character yesterday against Moy Cullen was brilliant. Four points to no score after, what, ten minutes? Got out of the blocks quicker. Their midfield, uh, Conor Glass leading the way for them, as he usually does. Um, Tiernan Flanagan with the goal at the start of the second half was kind of the, the turning point for them and in many ways killed off the challenge of Mike Cullen, although it was only two points in it at the end of the game. <clears throat> the, the, the worry for Glenn before the match was that they had a four-week break after winning the Ulster title. Rustiness was something Malachi O'Rourke had mentioned, um, but they were fairly disciplined apparently over Christmas. They trained quite a bit over Christmas. Um, uh, they, were, they were vulnerable as well. Um, <clears throat> Mike Cullen turned them over in, the, in the, their own 45 a couple of times, led to points <clears throat> or scorable frees. So there were moments for Glenn... Um, and, and they kept Moy Cullen getting back to within two points but the better team I think everyone will agree won on the day and they're looking to become the first Derry club to lift the Andy Merrigan trophy since Ballandary Shamrocks back in 2002 so 21 years ago um, and in a fortnight's time is a date with Kilmacud Croaks to look forward to Kilmacud of course who would win the, the uh, Talton Cup um, looking to first of all try and win uh, an All-Ireland Senior Club uh, Championship this year of course after the, the heartache of losing to Kilcoo last year with that last last gasp goal uh, 114-14 to 14 points win over Cairns O'Reilly's David Moran who's been on the show with us Jerry was brilliant for Cairns O'Reilly's his high feeling was something to behold on the Croke Park turf but Kilmacud just had too much interestingly Paul Mannion named on the named on the bench for Kilmacud yesterday evening uh, didn't come on and uh, I heard Robbie Brennan, the clinical manager, kind of talking afterwards saying, oh, we'll see, look, a couple of weeks might be too soon for him, but we'll see. Uh, what I was reading from what he was saying was, absolutely, Paul Manning will be fit. <laughs> Essentially. He'll be ready to go in two weeks. All right, you weren't having any of it. Uh, Robbie Brennan has a screensaver of Kilku celebrating on his phone. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's actually the screensaver on his phone of Kilku celebrating last year. So... Um, uh, it's a good line from Sean Moore in the Irish Times Croke's manager Robbie Brennan looked like he'd seen a ghost was last February on his mind so obviously as you say at the very last second of the game yesterday a free gets floated in to the edge of the box and um, David Moore gets his hand to it and it gets a bit of a ricochet and one of the Croke's defenders is on the line to catch the ball under his own crossbar now there was enough bodies there that it would have been like the end of all endings if they had managed to come back from the six points down that they had been uh, so I think they probably deserved to win the game Croke's yeah they did the only thing I would say about Croke's is that there were some worrying signs and maybe Croke's when Robbie Brennan will see that as a positive something to work on but well when they were six points up there was a goal chance that would have made it there was seven points up at one point with ten minutes left and uh, rather than tap it over the bar they went for the the uh, 
the goal that was going to kill the game and you think okay that's the killer instinct that you want in your team mm. I don't know I, I wouldn't be too um, pissed off at them going for the goal it was a good save yeah. and then all of a sudden it's like you know the ball is being sucked into the net so look uh, I'm sure uh, Glenn are delighted that you keep banging the drum for them I'm sure that they're like no no shut up Shane yeah. <laughs> shut up just wait until the text we're supposed to be under the this. radar here and you're like this is the greatest manager of all time <laughs> Well, I think he's proved it. He's, uh, he's taken Glenn to an All Ireland final now. Uh, who before this year had never imagine taking imagine taking over a team at the start of a year and, and they've never won a Derry Championship and wins a Derry Championship, wins an Ulster, gets the All Ireland final. There's no ceiling for this Glenn team. They're brilliant. Um, their age profile is very good as well. There are some worrying signs with Kilmacud in terms of not being able to kill off games. But I would say Shane Foley and the Cairns goal yesterday saved a lot of goal chances. Yeah. So Kilmacud could have won by more. Yeah. Uh, but the final's going to be fascinating. Two very defensively solid teams. Shane Walsh also good at football. He's pretty decent. And he had a quiet game yesterday by his standards. Um, but any time they needed something, like yeah. he was available. He steps up. And yeah. then you, you look at Mannion coming back into the team potentially in two weeks' time. That's going to be a final for the ages, I think. So looking forward to that one. Glenn versus Kilmacud Crooks. We'll move on to the other green now for the performance rankings. Sorry, one last thing. We Sorry, want to on. do the pitch invasion there. We're going to show the... Oh, yeah, of course. Sorry, Fussa. I forgot to mention Fussa and the club GEA. Uh, so there was a false alarm, first of all, and then, of course, the final whistle does ring out. They think it's all over. It is now. <laughs> David Clifford, needless to say, is the uh, the man in red there as the, the fans head over. I mean, Clifford making the point, speaking with Ashley after the game, that outside of Kerry, the fans aren't used to it. You know, when he's in Kerry now, maybe there's less kids than that running over to him but this was in was it Mullingar that was, it was outside of, of, of Munster anyway so um, clearly a lot of fa- uh, young, youngsters who've never got the chance to maybe see David Clifford play in person straight over to him to get the autographs and the selfies And I don't know if kids go for autographs or selfies now or Both. ask for or maybe they just try and get a glove or something off him do they <laughs> or all all of give the above jersey. yeah give us your jersey there um, so uh, yeah a, a great performance um, Polly Clifford was brilliant and Fossa were just dominant against Castletown and they go on to play Stewartstown now and I did see somebody on Twitter go is this the first time there's been a, a proper superstar in GA I've never seen this before I'm like really this happens this has been happening my entire life yeah it's a generational thing isn't it yeah it happens all the time yeah Gooch Cooper was one well I, I remember queuing for Jack O'Shea's uh, the All-Stars played um, two challenge matches hurling in football in Turles as a fundraiser in the 80s and I remember queuing for ages for Jack O'Shea's autograph like he was your one well, or whoever, whoever, you know. I understand like, how those young kids feel. Like, those young kids look run on the pitch. I remember meeting Michael Donlan when I was a kid, and um, look, a Monaghan man, but dad from Dunmore in, in Galway. And Donlan, I was just off that age in '98 and '01 where I was <clears throat> susceptible to. Ah, well, Donlan was like a, an absolute superstar, where there was just this kind of this guy can do stuff we've never seen before. But, but like as a kid, yeah, you know. Whereas <laughs> like older generations, are like ah, there was a fella who did the same thing in the seventies and eighties. That's just how it goes. It's always people looking so, back. But this, this isn't. What I'm saying this isn't new, and it's great. That's all. Hundred percent. I remember meeting Donlan in Healy Park in Oma after Galway Throne League game in three or four, I think, and I, I nearly fainted. Like <laughs> meeting this man in person, I was like, oh my god. What did you say to him? I, can you sign my program? There was a lovely photograph of of Donlan in the program, and he was right. almost embarrassed. If you've ever met Michael, he's a, quite a shy guy, but. Um, I can understand the David Clifford mania so yeah Fossa Stewartstown is a big one in the junior final by the way Stewartstown um, is it Gareth Devlin I think is the, the old the old guy on that team um, he's a bit of a veteran scored 1-6 of their 1-14 against Clifton in their semi-final yesterday they, were, they have been intermediate recently enough in the Tyrone Championship so that Fossa Stewartstown game again uh, is a big one so looking forward to these club finals they're, uh, they're set up quite nicely uh, finally in green this morning and I think rightly so uh, we started the FA Cup and we'll finish with the FA Cup. The Irish 
in the FA Cup. Um, getting good headlines. The, the, the Wolves-Liverpool game, I think, is one where we, we should mention. Um, really good performance by Nathan Collins. Albeit he, he had one clearance kind of across the pitch that was passed directly to Trent Alexander-Arnold, which led to the Darwin Nunez goal. Couldn't have done a whole pile about it. He is man of the match. Yeah. Deservedly so. Uh, and Joe Hodge as well, you know, someone who stood out for you, Ger. Um Just a, a solid performance from a lot of Irish players at the weekend. You, you saw uh, Promise Omasher scoring the goal for, for Fleetwood Town uh, in, in a bit of an upset win for them as well. Um, they, beat, they beat QPR. QPR apparently have the worst record of any team in the FA Cup third round, which is quite a stat. Um, but uh, a big, big one for them. Um, and that they're, Fleetwood now, beyond the third round for the first time in their history, former youth international promise on a share as well Shane Long really in the years Shane Long I mean and then the draw they're going to uh, Old Trafford yeah that's going to be decent yeah uh, Paul Ince isn't it in charge of, yeah. of Reading as well so there's a few a few strands to that one um, the draw I think City fans and Arsenal fans have been looking at the draw going ah no obviously Arsenal have to get past Oldham tonight but um, the winner of Arsenal Oldham plays Man City in, in the, uh, the fourth round so uh, City will have had Probably had to have get, got past Chelsea and Arsenal to make the fifth round of the cup, which is quite extraordinary. Um, but yeah, Jason Knight scored. Jason Knight uh, scored. James Collins scored as well for for Derby. There was loads of goods. Uh, the FA Cup was an opportunity for a lot of Irish players. You kind of felt like maybe it might be an opportunity for Quiven Keller. Yeah, a lot of conversation in the aftermath of the fact that he wasn't getting in the team for the cup. Has something changed? Is it just they needed the extra game time? They wanted some confidence in the defence. What's going on? Why wasn't he playing? Very surprised. And whether or not that will lead to some conversations in January for him, I don't think it will. He seems happy enough uh, being part of that first-team squad as opposed to playing first-team football at the moment. But a uh, good win for Southampton in the Cup, an opportunity for them to, um, you know, maybe... Cast, did well, cast off the shackles, well. made some big saves, was, was the report that I read as well. So, yeah, not bad. Uh, Irish players in the Cup in green. Maybe we're reaching, you get to decide... It's the Gillette Labs performance rankings every Monday. We uh, put a, a box up on Sunday evening on Instagram. But in the meantime, of course, you can tweet us at Off the Ball AM if there's anybody you think should be in green, in amber, or in red. OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette. 